is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, June 12, 2023, and today will be better than yesterday. I'm Buster Olney, back home at my place in Montana. Sarah Abbott is working in, right near Bristol, and having returned from his trip overseas, Taylor Schwenk. Sarah, why don't you greet Taylor? Welcome back to America, Taylor. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Buster. I missed both of you. It sounds like things went pretty well last week. No hitches, nothing crazy. Just another week now, of the season. Now another week of the season, and your Orioles continue to gather momentum. So you're welcome for taking care of them in your absence. Thank you, guys. You know, I, I really was tuned out of the baseball world. A light, you know, a little glance at the Orioles here and there, but... Uh, and I'm glad that they, you know, showed up to a sweep to the Royals. That was that's excellent. Yeah, and, and while you're away, every major star in baseball got hurt. Mm, <laughs> that's tough. Feels like like Aaron Judge went down, Jordan Alvarez went down, Pete Alonso went down. So it's I think it's good luck that you're back. Yeah, these these stars there. Well, is maybe it's not good luck for them because then they can just kind of hang out and collect their money. Jacob DeGrom, he's going to be just sitting oh, on a pile man, of cash. Oh, man, I forgot it. Yeah, Jacob DeGrom, one of the highest paid pitchers in baseball. Mm. Yeah, guys are dropping like flies your way, so don't leave again anytime soon, okay? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Oh, and by the way, you lost in the quiz. Congratulations. Uh, that, this is rigged. I demand a recount. <laughs> right. So, uh, speaking of uh, the best in baseball having gone down, let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum, the worst. The Oakland Athletics are suddenly the hottest team in baseball. They faced the Milwaukee Brewers over the weekend. They were going for a sweep in Milwaukee. Here's what happened in the top of the fourth inning. Here it comes, and Brown swings and drives it to right field. Going back is Anderson, turning around, and is gone! A home run for Seth Brown. An 11-pitch at bat ends in a three-run homer, and Brown gives the A's the lead. It's 3-2 Athletics here in the top of the fourth. And they'd go on and win 8-6, five straight wins for Oakland. That pulls them to 17 wins for the season, right? The Kansas City Royals went into the weekend with 18 straight wins, but the Baltimore Orioles destroyed them over the weekend. Gunnar Henderson with a monster home run on the Utah Street. You're going to Omaha. Oh, boy. 3-2, Gunnar. High in the air to right field. Look out below. what you've been waiting for folks this is Gunnar Henderson yeah so the Orioles patience with Gunnar Henderson who started slowly paying off they win the game 11-3 I was there in the building uh Taylor when Ken Griffey Jr. became the first person to hit a ball off the warehouse I thought that one was going too it was so close it hit on the bounce and I believe that is the longest home run ever hit onto Utah Street so you know it's possible and the only other guy to hit Utah Street this year for the Orioles Adley Rutschman sign him yeah right exactly sign both guys like what are we <laughs> waiting for you know I, we got a question at the end of last week comparing the Reds and the Orioles and where they are in their development I'm like well we've seen the Reds they signed Hunter Green let's go Orioles get these guys signed the Mets say Pete Alonso has a bone bruise and sprain of his left wrist after being hit by a pitch at the end of last week. Uh, so he's going to be out three to four weeks. He was hit by Charlie Morton, the Braves pitcher, who apologized to him afterward. Alonso hitting 231, but of course his contribution to the, to the Mets offense 
so important because of his power, his RBI with 49. The Mets played the Pirates on Sunday, looking to take that series. They've been struggling of late. Along the way, bottom of the first inning, Andrew McCutcheon came to the plate with 1,999 hits. The pitch. Line drive left field, there it is. 2,000 for Andrew McCutcheon in a standing ovation. Cuts 2K at PNC Park. And everybody up, including Mets fans. And a tap of the back from Mark Vientos, and now McCutcheon doffs his helmet, raises it to the crowd here. One of the best stories in baseball this year, Andrew McCutcheon going back to Pirates, hitting some of these milestones. He had a huge smile after the game as he uh, held up the baseball, hit number 2,000 in his career. Sports Radio 93.7, the fan, uh, was the source of that call. In the bottom of the fourth inning, the Pirates trailed 1-0. On one offering, and a high fly ball to right field. If it's fair, it's way gone. And clear the deck. Cannonball coming toward the Allegheny. You like that one, Potato Pete. It ties the game at one. Sawinski's 13th. You know, Sawinski's like made his mark when he's now a, a character in the, the show, uh, baseball's primary video game that my son plays all the time. He's right in the middle of his lineup. Every day I hear from Jake about how great Jack <laughs> Sawinski is. The Mets lost to the Pirates. Uh, here was the final call. The 1-2. Swing and a fly ball, center field. Bay back a couple of steps, looks to the Pittsburgh sky, raises the glove. He makes the catch, and the ball game is over. The Pittsburgh Pirates take the finale 2-1, to one, and they take the series from the New York Mets two games to one. That from WCBS, having lost 8-9, Buck Showalter, Mets manager, answered questions. Move forward, weld, uh, you know, guys take a day to hopefully uh, take a breath and get ready after to get after another good club. And, uh, you know, level of, you know, we're not playing like uh, we think we're capable of. You know, there's all, you always have that concern regardless of what time of the year it is or, you know, I, I don't get into that how many games are left and all that other stuff. You, you know, you want it to, you, you want to be operating on all cylinders. We know that's a real challenge. But uh, you still strive to get there. We just haven't, you know, we had a pretty well-pitched game for us today, and we didn't take advantage of it. You know, be the first to give their guys credit. But, uh, you know, we got to solve those good guys, too. With speculation swirling that Mets owner Steve Cohen is going to make changes, he did an interview with the New York Post in which he said he's not going to blow up over struggles. I've heard the same thing from within the organization. Steve Cohen, who's worked in finance for so many years, understands volatility uh, and understands that plans don't always work out. Uh, He made it clear that uh, he's not going to fire Buck Showalter, Billy Epler anytime soon. The Mets, 31 and 35, uh, now nine and a half games behind the first place Atlanta Braves. Red Sox face the Yankees on Sunday night baseball. Top of the second inning, Boston took a lead. Schmidt's 3-2 again, swing at a high fly right field. That's well struck. Calhoun's racing back. That's over his head. That ball is gone. That gets into the front row of the seats in right field. That's Power Alley at Yankee Stadium. That's where everybody wants to hit them. And the Red Sox take a 1-0 lead. Justin Turner with his eighth home run of the year. 
That was Dave O'Brien on ESPN Radio. The Yankees would come back and take a 2-1 lead, but they kept on making mistakes. Anthony Rizzo being picked off second base. Labor Torres not being active and pursuing a throw-in from the outfield cost them a base. It led to the tying run for the Red Sox. Then in the top of the 10th inning, this is what happened. The pitch swing and a base hit. Shot to left field. Duvall is in to score, and Boston's on top 3-2. to two. KK Hernandez has his fingerprints all over this one tonight. Yeah, so the Red Sox beat the Yankees 3-2 to again. The Yankees probably had no business losing. After the game, Kike spoke with Kevin Connors on SportsCenter. Second career go-ahead base hit and extra innings for you, Kike. Take us through the mindset and the result there in that 10th inning. Yeah, no, um, you know, coming up with a – with a runner at third, less than two outs, um, infield in, my uh, my job is to get something up in the zone to, to drive it. Um, you know, pitcher could, could handle. Uh, very important to put the ball in play there. Um, Casas did a great job by getting the, the runner over to lead off the end, and that was huge. And uh, from there on, first pitch, it was a changeup, good changeup. I went a little bit around it, and I was wanted to make sure that uh, I stayed inside the ball. Um, you know, I was going one pitch at a time. Um, try not to think about the pitch prior to that, but, you know, stay in the moment, uh, stay present. And after that, he threw me a second pitch changeup down and away for a ball. And then uh, he hung the slider and all I had to do was put the ball in play, hit something hard. And sure enough, for the infield in, um, hitting the ball hard was, was all I needed to do. Yeah, you stay in the moment and the Red Sox take two of three from the Yankees. How about for you, KK? 45 starts. Uh, for you at shortstop, but then you start games at second base and in center field as well. What's it like coming to the ballpark on a daily basis and maintaining a mindset, not necessarily knowing where you're going to play? Uh, I mean, this is something that I've been doing for a long time. Uh, you know, moving around, not knowing what uh, what uh, what I'm going to play on, a, on in, any given night. And, you know, uh, shortstop, second base, not a lot of changes other than the throw. But, um, you know, when, when I had to go up, have to go out for the outfield that's a little different but I mean as long as I'm in the lineup I don't really care what I'm playing and you know uh, I understand that we're trying to construct the best lineup on a, on a daily basis we can so that's going to dictate where I play. Yeah and Kike how about the significance of taking two of three in that stadium at this time of the season? Yeah it's it's great we're, we're not playing we haven't been playing the best of baseball and you know to to win two out of three here we we had a chance to win all three games and you know to take take two out of three here in New York is huge. Um, Puerto Rican parade here in New York, so I had to show out for, for my Puerto Rican people, and, uh, you know, it was meant to be. Giants face the Cubs. Jock Peterson had himself a day. 1-0, and Jock crushes one to deep right field. It is gone into San Francisco Bay. A splash homer for Jock Peterson. He's two for two with two home runs. And the Giants are back ahead 4-2. to two. This is Dave Fleming on KNBR. The Giants blew out the Cubs 13-3. to three, And because they, were, they had such a big league, Brandon Crawford threw the top of the ninth inning of this game. Sarah Langs will be joining us, and, and she'll have some thoughts about that. Tim Kirkshin also be on, will be on with us in a moment. The Astros' Jordan Alvarez landed on the injury list with an oblique uh, injury that happened in last Thursday's game. Alvarez this year hitting 274, 17 homers, 55 RBI in 56 games. We weren't kidding when we were talking about all the stars that have gone down to injury uh, over the last week. 
The Astros faced the Guardians during the course of the weekend. They had a rough time in Cleveland. Belak's ready. Here it comes. A swing and a drive to deep right center. Away, back, gone! Andre Jimenez with home run number four. A laser that cleared the nine-foot wall in right center. That was the unmistakable voice of Tom Hamilton, WTM 1100. The Guardians win that game 5-0. The White Sox put closer Liam Hendricks on the injured list because of an elbow issue over the weekend. The Ellie De La Cruz era continues. The Reds played the Cardinals on Sunday. This is what happened with the score tied 3-all. The 2-1. Ground ball to short. They're coming home. De La Cruz sides in safely. Contreras never got it. He couldn't scoop the low throw, and De La Cruz able to dive in safely at home plate with a go-ahead run. That from 700 WLW, Ellie De La Cruz becoming baseball's most exciting player just in the last week. I'm going to ask Tim Kirchner about that and whether or not we can get Ellie De La Cruz into the home run derby. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, tonight we've got Game 5 in the NBA Finals, and the Hoop Collective is previewing Game 5 with new 76ers head coach Nick Nurse. Uh, that's Brian Windhorst, Tim Bontemps, Tim McMahon. They're talking to Nick Nurse about his future plans for Philly and uh, how to keep a team hungry up 3-1 in the NBA Finals. Check out that, the Hoop Collective, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now and on YouTube. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirkson. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. Tim Kirkson, of course, covers baseball for ESPN. Tim, how you doing this week? I'm well, Buster. How's it going? I'm doing okay. You are, of course, a man of enormous power in this sport. Uh, at the Hall of Fame induction every year. I think you were seen sitting next to Johnny Bench on the dais on the stage, you know, you know, a lot of people, you can make a lot of phone calls. So I'm wondering how you can help us with this. Get Ellie De La Cruz into the home run derby. What do you think? <laughs> uh, we should have more than a home run derby. We should have a skills competition to see if he can hit a baseball basically as far as anyone, which is debatable. See if he can run faster than everyone. Buster, this has been incredible. 
this guy's been here a week and he's all anybody's talking about right now. I know it's a ridiculous number, but there's only one other player in history in his first three major league games to get a single, double, triple home run and steal a base in his first three major league games. Bill Bruton did that in 1953 and Ellie De La Cruz did it last week. That's it. That's the list. And I watch him play. I watch him run. It is just breathtaking to watch the way he scored basically the winning run yesterday. Granted, it wasn't a good throw and Contreras never caught it, but the fact that the ball that he forced that play, he forced the action by running home on a ground infield ground ball with the infield in and beat the play. And he's six foot five and he has tremendous power. Yes, we need to get him into the home run derby. We also need to get him in a race against everyone else in the league to see if he's maybe the fastest guy in the league. Yeah, and part of the reason why, Tim, uh, and I say it somewhat facetiously, but not really, because I mentioned to Taylor at the top of the show, it's like in the last week, every big star in baseball got hurt. Aaron Judge got hurt, right? Jordan Alvarez got hurt. Jacob DeGrom got hurt. Pete Alonso got hurt. Pete Alonso has been the, you know, he's been the backbone of the home run derby in recent years. And I know that there are older players who kind of chafe when uh, idiots like me get fixated on a young player like Ellie De La Cruz. But my feeling is right now, this is the guy everybody wants to see, Tim. Right. Look, Buster, I agree. We're in the entertainment business during the hall, during all-star week. I mean, that's what we're here for is to show everybody how much fun it is to watch baseball. And this guy for the last week has been the most fun person to watch. He almost hit a ball out of the stadium the other day. He's 21 years old. So yes, let's get more of him. And for those who say, Hey, he hasn't proved himself. All right, we get it. We understand. But again, when a comet comes flying by, you have to watch it. And that's what this kid's been for a week in the big leagues. So along those lines, uh, a couple of years ago, I was talking with Sandy Alderson about that time when he tried to sign Michael Jordan for the Oakland Athletics. And I asked him the question, so what would you have done with him? You know, what were your plans for him? And he goes, I don't care. Like, I didn't, I don't care. It's Michael Jordan. <laughs> right? right. I mean, and his point was well taken. And he said exactly what you just said. It's an entertainment industry and people would have loved to have watched the guy. Right. And again, I'm tired, Buster. I'm tired, period. But I'm tired of people telling us how boring baseball is. You watch Ellie De La Cruz play, not to mention yes. about a hundred other big leaguers right now. And you tell me how that skill set is boring when you can throw a baseball like that, when you can run like that, when you can hit it like that. And you can catch it like that. That's the furthest thing from boring. And we need to show more and more people what I've been saying for the last 12 years. I have never seen an influx of young players this big, this strong, this fast, this advanced at a very young age, all coming to the big leagues every year. It started with Trout and Harper, and it has not stopped over the last decade plus. All right, we've been banging on the Oakland Athletics all year because they're terrible. They're in competition for being one of the worst teams ever. And they popped up with a five-game winning streak. And, Tim, as of this morning, they are one game behind Kansas City in terms of number of wins. They've got 17 wins. The Royals have 18. And so this thought popped into my mind as I got ready to talk to you. What's worse, 
tanking, which is what Oakland did, cutting their payroll to nothing. You know, we know their ownership situation there. And having a team like that or trying to win, and I think Kansas City absolutely has been trying to win in recent years, and having a team like they've generated. How did that happen? Yeah, I had no idea the Royals would be this bad. And it's really sad. And again, Buster, I I take no joy in talking about this stuff. because It is not healthy for the game that there are two teams who are on June the 12th haven't won 20 games yet. I told you I covered the 88 Orioles. They had 15 wins on July the 11th yesterday. and, And that was the worst team I'd ever seen. We have two teams that are basically in that spot. So the Royals have a long way to go. They haven't drafted or developed very well. They have done a lot of things wrong. They waited too long to do some things. Dayton Moore was a great general manager for them, and and there's no criticism of him. But moving forward, I did not see them being this bad. They have too many decent players in their organization. This needs to turn. As for the A's, but I asked the Elias yesterday with with Brennan's help in research, when's the last time any team as bad as the A's this far into a season beat swept a, a team that was above 500 in a three game series on the road. I mean, that's a lot of elements. It's a lot of dynamics. It took the Elias all day to find it and they couldn't find it. They couldn't find any team this bad that can go on the road, play a three game series against a team that is over 500 and beat them three games in a row. Buster, this is why baseball is the greatest game is the A's are terrible and the Brewers are pretty good. And the A's went into Milwaukee and beat them three games in a row. That's why baseball is better than the other sports because no terrible team went into Chicago stadium and beat Jordan's bulls ever. Now the Brewers aren't Jordan's bulls. I get it. That's not the point. The point is, Bad teams beat good teams in baseball all the time. All right. You led perfectly into my next segment, which uh, anoints you. As I mentioned, you are a person of great power within the sport. So (laughs) today I'm going to make you the owner of about three, four or five different teams. We'll see how far we go here in light of Steve Cohen's statements, to the New York post that he has no intention of blowing up uh, his team. You know, he's not going to fire Buck Showalter. He's not going to fire Billy Epler. But I am going to put you in a position where you are the owner of some of these teams. And since you mentioned the Brewers, we'll start there, okay? Mark Atanasio, 15 years ago, famously traded for CC Sabathia. They went for it, uh, really energized that fan base. And uh, Mark Atanasio last year, the owner of the Brewers, okayed this plan to trade the best closer in baseball, Josh Hader. His team uh, immediately collapsed after that. The players weren't very happy what was happening. David Stearns, head of baseball ops, got moved out of that job at the end of the year. Craig Council's in his last year as manager. And they're in a similar situation, Tim, I feel like, to where they were last year. They got close to the trade deadline. They have three really valuable commodities uh, in Corbin Burns, in Brandon Woodruff, assuming that he's healthy, in Willie Adamas, their shortstop, assuming that he's healthy as we get close to the deadline. And they have the decision to make, do they keep these guys and try to win? Or do they flip them for value knowing that they're going through a transition period a year and a half from free agency and they know they're going to get the most return this summer? You're Mark Adnazio. What are you telling Matt Arnold, head of baseball operations, to do? 
All right, I'm sure you're going to yell at me a, a bunch of times in the next few minutes, Buster. I'm not trading any of those guys. I'm in one of the worst divisions in baseball. I have a chance to win the NL Central. That's the first goal when the season begins. Let's win our division and make the playoffs. If they were to win their division, which is totally winnable given the lack of, of talent in that division at the moment, and you can have a healthy Woodruff, which we're not sure, Burns and Peralta to start a three-game series against anybody, you have a chance. Plus, Buster, you've been to Milwaukee. That is a great baseball atmosphere. You're yep. going to tell me that those fans are showing up at this kind of rate, and then you're going to tell them, oh, uh, we're in trouble two years from now, so we're not going to try to win this year. No, sorry. I'm keeping Burns. I'm keeping Woodruff. I'm keeping Peralta. I'm keeping Adamus, all of them, and I'm going to try to win the division. If it's a different division, if I'm in the Rays division and I have no chance to make the playoffs, maybe I have a different look. But when I got a chance to win the Central, I'm keeping my guys. So I'm not going to yell at you on this one, okay? I completely agree with you, and I'll just uh, throw some rhetorical questions at you uh, to make your point, to underscore your point, I should say. Uh, in mid-June in 2019, did we think the Washington Nationals were going to win the World Series? No, they were 19 and 31, and I thought they were terrible. And I told all my friends, because I live in the area, sorry, I'm not sure this is going to work. And then they won the World Series. So this is, again, the beauty of the sport. Teams come. Look at the Phillies last year. They were 22 and 29. They were awful. They're jumping they... the gun on my rhetorical questions, right, Tim. Right, I was right, going right. to go through sequences. Okay. Keep going. Go. All right. Did we think in June of 2021 that the Braves were going to win the World Series? One word. Buster, they didn't get to 500 until August the 6th that year, and they won the World Series. I keep telling you, this is why baseball is the best game, is the great teams aren't always great. Sometimes they stink, but you can't give up on them because the light goes on, and suddenly they win 20 out of 24, and the season has changed. All right, you've ruined my chain of questioning, but I'm going to throw this one because you started to answer this one. Did we think a year ago that the Philadelphia Phillies were going to make the to game six of the World Series? Of course not. And if you're asking me what should the Phillies do, they should try to make the playoffs. They have a fortune, you know, in their in their payroll. They've got really good players. They're really starting to go now. Trey Turner's starting to swing the bat finally. Bryce Harper's going to get better every day. You know their pitching's going to get better than it's been to this point. How can you give up when you made the World Series last year I would never give up on this year if I'm the Phillies. Again, try doing that in Philadelphia. Good luck. Boy, you've completely pulled this whole segment off the rails. Like, I had this master plan, rhetorical questions, and now we're going to have to deviate. Okay, if you're Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, what are you doing? I'm I'm trying to win also, all right? They stink. They're 31 and 35. They've got they've played 13 games this year scoring one or zero runs. But you're telling me with a $340 million payroll and the Phillies aren't very good, the Padres aren't very good. There's only one team coming out of the Central meaning there's no wild card possibility there that you're going to give up on a season after 65 games, no chance. You've got to hope that that this team finds it. I'm not suggesting that they're going to find it. I think they're going to make the playoffs still. But they're not catching the Braves. But I just think you have to look and say, 
What happens if we do give up here? If we fire the manager, fire the general manager, and trade a couple of key players so we can get good in two years? Earl Weaver used to tell me, look, if you have a chance to win this year, you take it. And then you figure out next year, next year. Now, granted, this is Earl Weaver. He had great teams all the time. But, and the difference in payrolls back then was enormous compared to today. But you can't give up on your fan base before the All-Star break when you still have a chance to make the playoffs. And I see the only path, I'm going to talk about this with Sarah Langs as well. I think the only path then for them to get into that position is that the rotation goes from being a pumpkin to something that they envisioned before the season started. Because I don't think they're going to ever put together a dynamic offense. I think their bullpen, having lost the best reliever in baseball, is what it is. They got to mix and match a little bit. Rotation has to be dominant. That was the design. Right. And again, I mean, Scherzer, it has to start with Scherzer and Verlander. Those two guys are great again, and there's no reason they can't be. And Seng has been awfully good, especially lately. That's three, and they'll have to find two others. Starting pitching has been way underperforming. That has to change first. And I'm with you now, Buster. I keep wondering, why don't they score more runs? Well, maybe they're not a great offensive team, and they certainly aren't a great offensive team with Pete Alonso out for another month. But they have to pitch better, and I I don't think you can give up on the Mets. Not now. All right. You are John Henry. You are the owner of the Boston Red Sox. Uh, The team, uh, let's face it, looks incredibly mediocre. They're fifth in the American League East. I don't look at that team necessarily as being a playoff team. There's been all the speculation swirling about Heim Bloom and what are they going to do with him. I think one way or the other, Tim, it's important for them to declare declare what their direction is going to be. Leading up to the trade deadline, we have six weeks away. If they're not going to contend, and they're further out in the wild card race today than they were on August 1st last year when they traded Christian Vasquez, uh, if at some point in the next six weeks you determine that, you know what, we're, we're going to be making trades, you have to decide. And I think it's smart for them in a market like Boston for John Henry to come out and say, I'm Bloom is my guy. If that's the way he wants to go, if he intends to go in another direction, Tim, I think you make that decision before the trade deadline. What do you think? Yeah, The Red Sox are in a different situation than all the teams we've mentioned to this point because they're in the AL East. They haven't played very well, and I don't see them as a playoff team. Now, again, and also the fans in Boston aren't real happy with the Red Sox right now. They don't think the Red Sox are making the playoffs. So if you did move some people off of that club and showed, look, we're get we're going to be better next year and the year after, I think most Red Sox fans would say, count me in. But I'm with you. You have to clarify, is the general manager coming back next year? Is he the guy who's going to lead you to the next world championship? Is he the guy that's going to get you in the playoffs the next time? If the answer is no, then you have to do something, but you have to clarify it. You're right. And if the answer is yes, then come out and say it. Hold a press conference, you know, pound the table and say, Haim is my guy, because I think they've sort of reached that stage in this situation. Totally agree. Totally. All right, Tim. Great to talk with you. Uh, you can get off your pedestal now. Yeah, I'm sorry, Buster. I was on the phone with some guy with the insurance company for almost two hours this morning. You know that can put anyone in a bad slash agitated mood. I'm sorry I was a little I was a little upset today, but that's the reason why. Well, you're also the most powerful man in the game. We've established that here. Thank you. All right, Buster. See you soon. We're driven by the search for better. 
When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it. They won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. This is the numbers game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how are you doing on this Monday? I'm doing great, Buster. No day games, always a tough Monday, but I'll make it through. How are you? I'm doing okay, but thank you. Uh, you know, I recognize there were no day games, so I threw a bunch of questions at you this morning on text to, to fuel some stories because I figure you just couldn't go an hour without thinking about baseball. That is absolutely correct, and I'll be entering those once we are done chatting here. All right. So in the past, I've described you as a fan of the Mets. That's not quite accurate. I think you're a reformed Mets fan. Uh, over the weekend, a tough uh, series for them in Pittsburgh, continuing tough times for the Mets to the degree that Steve Cohen felt the need to speak with Joel Sherman of the New York Post and assure him that uh, you know he's not going to be firing people. I think it's pretty clear from talking with people Steve Cohen is not George Steinbrenner. Like, he, he's not going in there and just firing, you know, Buck Showalter and firing Billy Epler right away. And I got to say, I actually look at that team, Sarah, and I'm like, look, this is the way the team was designed. They poured a ton of money in that rotation. It's an older rotation. Uh, it, it's designed in such a way where they needed the pitching to be dominant. They lose Edwin Diaz during the World Baseball Classic to a knee injury, best reliever in baseball, which, you know, that pushes uh, David Roberts and Adam Adovino out of the, you know, middle relief roles and into something more crucial than that. And their rotation just hasn't been very good. And I don't know, like changing the general manager, changing the manager, what that would do to change that anyway. What's your take on the Mets? 
I totally agree. I mean, we knew this was a potential issue with having the oldest rotation in baseball when we saw them sign Justin Verlander, sign Jose Quintana, still hold on to Carlos Carrasco, who some people thought they might trade. I remember putting together a note, I don't have it in front of me, but there have not been a lot of teams to get even 20 plus starts from this many starters, 35 plus. And that is the situation they're in. And unfortunately, you know, there's the best case, there's the worst case, and there's the middle ground. And I think when you're entering the season, you're hoping for that middle ground. You know some of these guys may get hurt, they may struggle, they may regress, but you're hoping it's kind of towards the middle, it's okay. Feels like they've kind of gotten the worst case, which is almost random and unfortunate and not fair to uh, assess, but this is what you know might happen when you have that many guys who are older in the rotation, of course. I mean, we have the Yankees and the Mets on uh, Wednesday night on ESPN. We're looking at two offenses that currently have their big firecracker on the IL right now with Pete Alonso and Aaron Judge. That puts even more pressure on the pitching to be perfect, which just isn't fair for any team. And I know that, you know, they have internal solutions. They have prospects in minor leagues if they want to, they could promote. Uh, but I don't think it's, you know, promoting a position player prospect is not necessarily going to make a big difference. You mentioned Pete Alonso is going to be out. The path for them to get into contention for me is the rotation needs to perform better. Besides that, well, see a lot of stuff that Billy Epler, Buck Showalter can do. You need Justin Verlander to be what they uh, hired him to do, which is to be dominant. You need to, you know, hope that when Jose Quintana comes back, and that's going to be sometime in the next month, uh, that he can come back and, and he can be a force. And sort of what Chris Bassett was last year, a guy who consistently pitch into the, the middle innings. Uh, besides that, I think they're going to have a tough time. It's just so hard to have no one dominant, reliable pitcher. And that's kind of the situation they're in right now. But, you know, I'm an optimist. I know how good, we all know how good Justin Verlander can be, Max Scherzer can be. And I know Verlander said after the last start that he expects better, of course. And I do think there's an opportunity to self-correct there. We know the track record of these guys. We know how good Verlander was last year. You don't simply lose that over the course of 365 days. You have to hope that they can find a way back. But the pitching is just really putting them in a tough spot these days. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is 194. So... I love that I'm bringing you a positive stat about the Oakland A's. This made me so happy on Sunday. So the A's had a 12-50 and 50 record. That's that 194 winning percentage before this five-game win streak that they're on. That is the lowest winning percentage by any team since 1900 entering a five-plus game win streak at least 25 games into the season. The last team to do this was in 1895. 
the Louisville con uh, Colonels, I guess. I always say that one wrong. Uh, but <laughs> really, really cool to see. And I mean, if you're a baseball fan, just a fan of the game, it is so much fun to see a team surprise you. And I know that it was just really exciting over the course of the weekend. And I love this for the A's. So even though this, that includes the word worse, it is definitely a baseball is the best kind of sub. Number two. Number two is 472. So right as our Sunday baseball game was starting yesterday evening, Nolan Jones, the Rockies, had a 472-foot walk-off home run. I know they were at Coors Field, but even still, that is the longest walk-off home run that has been tracked under Sackass that goes back to 2015 that outpaced a April 2022 Byron Buxton 469-foot home run. And again, that goes back to 2015. There have been plenty of players in Coors Field who have had a chance to hit a longer walk-off home run. I don't want anyone complaining that this is the Coors Field stat. It is incredible to hit a 472-foot walk-off home run. And by the way, two of his last three home runs have gone 470-plus feet. Only one player under Sackhouse has had more 470-foot home runs in a single month. It was Trevor Story in September 2018. He had three. And again, I say, plenty of players have played at Coors Field. So even if this is the Coors Field-y kind of stat, there have been so many opportunities for anybody else to do them. And he is tied for the second most 470-foot home runs in the calendar month under Sackhouse. Number one. Number one is 1,564. So speaking of things that were happening just as our game was starting on Sunday, Brandon Crawford finally took the mound. This has been the thing every year in spring training. He gets up on the mound, makes it clear he wants to pitch at some point. He had played 1,564 games in the field, all at shortstop before Sunday. That is the second most fielding games only at one position prior to a player's first career pitching appearance among guys to debut since 1900. The only one with more was Mark Brace, who had 2,113 games at first base before pitching in September 2002. The most memorable part of that Mark Brace pitching appearance is that David Ross hit his first ground run off of Mark Grace. And who was in the opposing dugout when Crawford took the mound yesterday? David Ross, because it was against his Cubs. So the top two instances in baseball history, David Ross has been there in, same way, in some way and witnessed it. And Brandon Crawford is so much fun with this. He has a zero ERA. He threw like nine pitches above 85 miles an hour. And by the way, it was 10 years to the date of Garrett Cole, his brother-in-law, making his major league debut. 
with the Pirates against the Giants facing Crawford. Right. Over under moving forward, if Crawford never pitches again, that he uh, brings up the fact that he's got a lower career ERA than Garrett Cole at family reunions for the rest of their lives. Way, way over. I mean, yes. I think he had a quote after the game about it. It's so good. And the other really fun part is that in spring training every year, it was always Brandon Crawford and Brandon Bell, the two veterans on the Giants for a while, wanting to pitch. Brandon Bell still has not yet gotten to pitch. And uh, I know Hank Shulman, a uh, longtime Bay Area media member, texted Brandon Bell after the game to make sure he knew Crawford had pitch. And his response was, yeah, yeah, that's great. I would have thrown an immaculate inning. So it's just, <laughs> there's so much good to this and so much fun. I love seeing that. I am sorry to the Cubs fans who had to be on the other side of it, but man, that was really, really fun. All right. We need some nominees before you go uh, for home run derby candidates, uh, participants, because I think at this point, I mean, we know Aaron Judge. You know, this is not his thing, and he's going to be hurt. He's uh, he's not going to be around to do it, uh, even if uh, – and I don't think he would, even if he was healthy enough to do it. Pete Alonso has been a staple of the home run derby in recent years. A hitter coming back from a wrist injury, I just don't see it, Sarah. Uh, you know, even if he were to have – you know, recover to a high degree between now and, and the all-star break, I just don't think that uh, he would want to do it, um, to, you know, to protect himself, to protect the Mets. So I think at that point, Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez, your guys, uh, those two you'd start with. And I, you know, I think Ellie De La Cruz is someone who's got to be in there. Give me some names. Absolutely. So on Friday afternoon, I was chatting with one of my friends at work, director of social from OB, Doug Gospel. And instead of doing my work, I was kind of coming up with an ideal derby field. So the first three names are exactly the ones you said. Juan Soto, Julio Rodriguez, Ali De La Cruz. Always loves to see Ronald Acuna Jr. in there. I think Francisco Alvarez would be really, really fun. Kyle Schwerber, always a fun guy. Would love to see Randy Rosarena, maybe Adolis Garcia. And then, of course, you always want Otani and Trout. The only reason I didn't have them on my initial list was I don't know if they'd be in, but I think Mike Trout is just waiting. When he finally does it, whenever it is, he's going to show everyone. He just didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings by showing how good he would be at this. So that's kind of <laughs> 10 names. We only get eight, but uh, that's what I'm thinking right now. I think the chances of Trout participating in the home run derby would go up dramatically if the Angels made the playoffs. I think that's, you know, he's protecting himself and protecting the team. And, um, yeah, it would, it would be so much fun if he does it. And I, he's said to me in the past that he wanted to do it at least one time in his career. So, so we'll see how that goes. Sarah, great to talk with you. Uh, and I will talk to you later in the week. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. Over the weekend, our guys on ESPN Radio caught up with Dodgers catcher Will Smith. Will, you get a chance to catch a promising young right-hander today in, the, in Bobby Miller. What is the approach when you have a, a guy this young trying to get him through and, and sequence pitches as, as far as a, you know, his, his first go-around here at the big leagues? Yeah, he's been, uh, he's been really good. You know, his first three starts, 
uh, you know, trying to make another one tonight. But, uh, you know, he's just a Texas zone. He mixes, got, you know, he throws 100 miles an hour, so that helps. But uh, really good changeup, good curveball, really good slider as well. So it's just a really good four-pitch mix. Um, you know, he just attacks, gets ahead of hitters, and uh, you know, that's what we try to do tonight. Well, I was wondering, you know what, you're kind of a guy that goes both ways, right? You have the ability to, to, to be a very good offensive player. And I'm just curious, you know, how do you balance, you know, doing your work behind the plate and guiding these guys through the games and dealing with, you know, the, the, the tough pitchers you have to deal with every single day? Yeah, I just, uh, you know, just keep them separate. Um, you know, basically have two buckets, the defense side and the offensive side. You know, yesterday I did not do well at the plate, but, you know, I still caught a pretty good game, it felt like, blocked every ball, you know, a couple stolen bases. But, you know, you just keep them separate. You just try to navigate the pitchers. Um, you know, you're, you can always do the defensive side. You know, the bat might not be there, but you can always be reliable on defense, and, uh, you know, that's what I try to focus on. You get a chance to bat behind two pretty good players in Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. You, you competed against those guys. Now having them as teammates, what are the impressions you have of them now getting to play with them every day? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're they're both, you know, future Hall of Famers. They're, they're some of the best hitters I've seen. You know, the way they go about their business is incredible. Um, you know, to see them be right behind them, I guess, you know, on deck watching Freddie every at-bat, uh, it's cool. You know, I take a lot from them. Uh, you know, they've definitely helped me become a better hitter. And, you know, I just feel, you know, lucky to be around them every day. I was wondering, what what's your feeling about playing for Doc? And I know I've, uh, I've known him and... and uh, got a chance to, to watch him grow as a manager. Uh, t- tell me about your experiences with him so far. Yeah, he's been he's been great to me. Uh, you know, ever since I called up in 19, so this is, I guess, four years now. Um, he's been great. You know, I love playing for him. You know, he's the same guy every day. Uh, he brings energy. You know, easy guy to talk to in the clubhouse about whatever. Um, you know, just a consistent face that, you know, we all trust. Final thought, you know this Phillies lineup is tough. They have uh, guys kind of one through nine who can hit, hit the ball to the ballpark. What are the challenges to try to navigate through this lineup? Yeah, it's a good lineup. You know, a lot of damage. Um, you know, you just got to mix. You got to make pitches, and uh, you just got to get ahead of them. And, you know, that's the goal. Appreciate the visit. You got it. All right. That's Will Smith. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Monday. Be good to each other, writes in. More impressive Miller through the first four starts. Bobby or Bryce? Bobby, no doubt about it. Like uh, Bobby Miller looks to me like he's going to be one of the top 10 pitchers in baseball very quickly. Andrew DeSalvo at DeSalvotion writes in, Mike Trout's rookie season is pretty untouchable, but do you think by the end of this season, Corbin Carroll may have had the second best rookie season of this century? He would. He's going to be in the conversation. And Taylor, I recommend for you to go back to listen to Tori Lovello, the stories he had about Corbin Carroll, our guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the way that Corbin answers questions is going to make you laugh. <laughs> All right. I'll have a listen there. And if anyone else hasn't, check that out as well. I believe that was last Friday. Uh, Don Irving's up next. He writes in news reports say that the Nationals didn't have disability insurance for Steven Strasburg's contract due to the high cost of the premiums. Does that decision now look penny wise and pound foolish, given the likelihood that he will never pitch for the team again? Don, you answered your own question. You know the answer to this question. Yeah, but that's, you know, the, the Lerner family, that, that's their reputation within the sport. Penny wise, pound foolish. Classic learners. Mike Warden writes in with the pitch clock and faster pace of play. Do we still need a Manfred man in extras? Look, I don't care either way personally, but I can tell you this teams would vote for it 30 to nothing. They don't like 15 inning games. They don't like 14 inning games. They don't like uh, these bullpen being stressed. And let's face it. All these teams now have one inning relievers that they're filling out Mm -hmm. their bullpens with. 
So they're not planning on a 13th inning, and they want the games over with. P.K. Steinberg writes in, Andrew McCutcheon has 2,000 hits, 1,000 walks, and his RBI is on the cusp of several other milestones, 2,000 games, 400 doubles, et cetera, et cetera. He's the classiest active player in baseball with the great character. Is he a Hall of Famer? I think eventually he does get into the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, and I say this with all great respect, I, I do think that, you know, some of the decisions for the Hall of Fame in recent years have changed, you know, what's required. I think that uh, 30 years ago, those numbers would not have gotten into the Hall of Fame, but I think it's shifting. And you know what? I, I, I don't think anybody's going to be brokenhearted that a guy as great as Andrew McCutcheon would get to uh, make a speech to the Hall of Fame. As I've said in the podcast before, the single most talented human being I've ever been around. Wow. All right, last one for today. Sarah Gillespie at Atypical Faith. This one, uh, it really it really hits me because she writes in Dear Bleacher Tweets, are the Yankees responsible for the most obnoxious strikeout jingle as a Sox fan? I think it was invented to taunt us, and that's the uh, PC Richards and Sons. It's the do-do-do-do after someone strikes out. Yeah. You're familiar. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. That one doesn't annoy me as much as the two-strike thing that the Yankees do. You know, what's that? I don't, I don't recall. Isn't it from like a movie? Somebody, I don't need, I didn't see the movie that this one is, but they have those two horn sounds like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. What what is that from, Sarah? You guys are younger than me, so you probably know. It's from some movie. Somebody was trying to explain it to me. We'll have to, someone will have to write in and inform us, but they're both really annoying. But you know what? It's also annoying. America's greatest export is the Yankee cap. My God, I went to a beach and I saw three of them right around me. It was uh, just trying to take away from the splendor and the beauty of, uh, of Mallorca. It was tough. Uh, I, I, you survived because you know that in the American League standings <laughs> as of this morning, where are the Orioles? Above the Yankees, Buster. Above the Yankees, below the Rays. That's we okay. took that series okay. in the Texas Rangers, but the, the Orioles are playing better than the Yankees right now. And let's face it, it's rope-a-dope time for the Yankees. With Judge out, they've basically been a 500 team without him. And, and I would say this, like, I, I feel like if the Yankees survive this time, if they hang in there, they make the playoffs, seeing them over the weekend, more, that, that would be a dangerous team in October. Ooh. Their pitching staff has a chance to be dominant. So I'm just going to be a little warning ahead of time. All right. There you go. That's why you listen to the Baseball Tonight podcast. Keep those bleacher tweets coming. We'll be back on Wednesday. All right. Well, welcome back, Taylor. Thanks again for today. Thank you. Thanks for good to be back, guys. Missed you. I've thought talked Absolutely. a lot about gonna you guys. Stories. We have to gonna have to get your stories from overseas once you your your memory starts to to come back <laughs> from uh, all, all that you ingested while you're overseas. <laughs> it felt like every other picture you sent out from over there was uh, some sort of a beer can or something like that. Uh, you know, when when in Spain, Buster, do as the locals do. <laughs> My thanks also to Sarah and to Sarah uh, and to Tim. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. So you guys, real quick, you want to uh, look at the schedule and see who might be interesting for tomorrow?